Are you interested in learning more about how to start your Salesforce career? Be sure to register for our next live webinar showing you exactly how the Salesforce Career Development Program works, our latest statistics, and up-to-date information about what's going on in the Salesforce ecosystem. To register now, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash live. That's talentstacker.com forward slash L-I-V-E. We look forward to seeing you on the next live webinar. Cover your ass. Sorry if I'm not allowed to say ass. And sorry I said it again on the podcast. My bad. Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And And you're you're listening listening to the the Salesforce Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's show, we discuss how you can turn a difficult hands-on Salesforce project into a competitive advantage. Interviewers don't want to hear about the perfect project. They want to hear about challenges that you faced and struggles that you've overcome and how you handle those situations. Also, we help navigate one of the biggest obstacles in getting your first Salesforce job. It's that catch-22 situation where you need experience to get the job, but you can't get experience without the job. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In our last episode, we talked a lot about personal branding and how resumes aren't really the number one thing you need to focus on when it comes to landing jobs in the current job market. We focused on tools like LinkedIn, which is a personal branding and professional branding platform where you can get to know other professionals and showcase your own skills. In this week's episode, we're going to move into how to get hands-on experience. And that comes in a variety of ways and really helps you set yourself apart when you're looking to impress employers and recruiters when breaking into the Salesforce ecosystem. So we have a lot to cover in today's episode. And with me today, I have Anita Smith. Hi, everyone. We actually have a really special guest today, Alex Warnicke. She joined Talent Stacker about, I think, almost a year from today ago and really ran with the program. She's been a Salesforce consultant for six months already. She has helped hundreds of Talent Stacker members <laughs> become Salesforce professionals. She leads all our workshops where she helps people study and pass the Salesforce admin exam. Like she has such a long list, I can't even like list it all. I'd be here for days. I think the coolest thing about her that I personally love is she came from a strong nonprofit background and she was actually a park ranger for the national park for a bit, which was pretty awesome. And with that, Alex, welcome to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anita and Brad, for having me today. Really excited to be here to talk about how do we get experience in the Salesforce ecosystem? How do we ramp that up, tie it all into building our LinkedIn profile and ultimately landing jobs? Really excited to be here to talk with you guys today. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show, Alex. It has really just been a pleasure getting to know you over the last year and seeing your journey from joining the Talent Stacker program and going through the steps and landing a job and then just the passion and energy you had behind Salesforce as a career and using those skills to help people and help companies. And I think that's why it's so important to have you on for especially this episode where we're going to talk about how to get hands-on experience. And volunteering is a way to get hands-on experience. And I know that you've seen success with that, but there are also a variety of ways to get hands-on experience. So if you don't mind, just talk to us a little bit about you know how you've been able to get hands-on experience even outside of your job, because that's really important for people when they're trying to break into the Salesforce ecosystem and they're trying to land that first job. They've got the certification. They've got a great LinkedIn profile. The resume probably looks pretty slick. 
but they're still coming up against this wall because one of the main questions you're going to get asked in an interview is how much experience do you have? Can you tell us about an experience where this happened or where you came up against a challenge? And it's really hard to answer that question without something hands-on. Yeah, great question, Brad. There's lots of different ways, but I think the easiest and most straightforward way is just to come up with a project yourself, something that you're you're passionate about, or even something that's just fun to work on, and then build out the requirements, right? So you're going to have to do that anyways as either a consultant or an admin. So come up with like a list of requirements, maybe follow the admin exam guide to just be like, I have to do this, 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 and this, and build an org from start to finish. That will give you just experience and hands-on uh, ability to see like where different things are in the org, coming up with different challenges to overcome, and then get the experience also of presenting it to other people, right? You're going to have to do that as a Salesforce consultant. You have to present it to a client. Maybe that client is new to Salesforce as well. They've never been in a, an org. They've never had that kind of what is Salesforce to them? And so you can really help by walking someone, maybe it's your family, <laughs> maybe it's a friend, a brave friend, uh, or maybe if you're, say you're in the town stacker community, it's your study group members, just walking them through the org and then they can ask questions similar to like a client would. Don't underestimate not only building the org from start to finish, but also presenting it to a client. That can be a really helpful way. Uh, and if it's something where you're finding uh, you're overwhelmed, Maybe find a team, right? Work on it together. You guys could come up with different requirements, take on different pieces of the org building. Then you automatically have a group to present it to. So I think uh, there's a lot of different ways, but I think the easiest way to start is just come up with an idea yourself and start to build that from top to bottom. I love that idea so much. Before we keep going, though, I want to make sure everyone out there listening knows what an org is. So if you haven't gone to talentsecker.com forward slash start, go there. It will explain it a little bit better, but brief explanation is an org is where you can do everything Salesforce. It's just where it lives. So any work you need to do will be done in an org. When you're on Trailhead, Salesforce.com's learning website, it's actually called a playground. It's the same thing as an org, just not as many um, features because it's the free version. So it's just like super, super basic level, but that's a brief explanation of what an org is. So... I've seen uh, a lot of people do this before where they're creating an org themselves and they actually build like something that helps them with their job search. Have you seen any other really cool ideas, Alex, out there that people have built orgs around? Yeah, that's a great question, Anita. The best way to build an org or ideas, right, is something that you're really passionate about. So maybe you have a side hobby, or maybe you have a, even like maybe a small business, right? We have a lot of entrepreneurs in the talent stacker group. So that's a really great idea. For me, I, I come from a non-sales background, non-Salesforce background. I was, as you mentioned, a, a park ranger before I got into talent stacker. And so I had, I had no idea. I was like, what am I going to build? And so I actually talked to um, my study group. We call ourselves the trail vendors trademark. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, well, what if we did a superhero based org and we tracked different superheroes within the different comic book houses? So comic books would be like an example of accounts. And then each of the superheroes would be a contact and we would track uh, their opportunities. So the different villains that they were slaying and uh, also the different they need swag, right? Superheroes need swag. So like they bought capes and they bought weapons and all sorts of stuff like fun stuff like that. So we built Salesforce around Trail Avengers HQ, and it was really fun. And it was just a fun way to explore the org and explore the functionality 
and something that was like super relatable. So it might not be as serious as other things, but it definitely helped us learn and get some hands-on experience as well. And let me tell you, when you mentioned that in an interview, people are just, they will remember you for sure. I was about to ask, I was like, did anyone actually present that in an interview? And what was the reaction from the employer? I totally did. Uh, <laughs> and they loved it. They're like, that's ridiculous. And I'm like, yep, but it has all the pieces and it works. And I know how to do this and this and this. And as long as I could talk to those uh, Salesforce objectives, if anything, they like, because sometimes you're talking to recruiters, right? And they might not be as familiar with Salesforce as others. And so it's something that's super relatable for them. So I think it landed pretty well. Yeah, that is an absolutely fantastic example. I just love how you can really take anything and especially things that you're excited about, more importantly, to bring that energy to the projects that you're working on, because it makes it sort of fun to work on a project when it's something you're actually excited about. And that carries into your interview. So we're going to talk some in the next episode about interviewing, but these projects and everything that you're doing is so important when, whether you're volunteering, doing a personal project, a project with a team, it's so important to remember, it's not just about polishing your skills or about learning to work with a team. It's about creating stories that you can tell in interviews and you can really turn the head of those interviewers. So, you know, sometimes people will reach out to us and they'll say, I'm on a volunteer project and I'm struggling. It's really hard or something came up, maybe one of the team members dropped from the project and now we don't know what to do. To me, that is an amazing opportunity because what it does is it gives you an obstacle to overcome and something to push back against because interviewers don't want to hear about the perfect project and how there's a project and I did an amazing job and you know pat on my back. They want to hear about challenges that you faced and struggles that you've overcome and how you handle those situations. So I would just say anything that you're doing, whether it's getting certified or doing a volunteer project or a project that is a completely fake, you know, Avengers project with a team. When things come up that make you struggle, remember that those are going to be your stories and how you respond to those struggles are going to define how you can tell that story in an interview. So I did notice that when Alex was describing how to get hands-on experience, she started with a personal project with a group. And I think it's really interesting because most people probably think, well, you go volunteer, you volunteer with a nonprofit and that's how you get hands-on experience. But that's not what she started with. So I would be interested to hear feedback from, you know, Alex and Anita around what would the concerns be about working a real nonprofit volunteer project versus, you know, just doing a personal project in your Salesforce playground. Oh, I can put input in this because my very first volunteer project wasn't the best experience. So I got really lucky and found one on my own pretty quickly after getting certified. The problem I ran into, it was so early into the project, there wasn't even a Salesforce org. It was just the requirements gathering part of the project, which is good experience. But I wasted about a month and a half of not doing anything at all with Salesforce. What about you, Alex? Yeah, I would have to say, I mean, coming nonprofits is actually why I got into Salesforce because I worked in nonprofit land and I was like, oh, there's got to be a way to be more efficient, right? Nonprofits are strapped for time, they're strapped for money. So we don't want to waste it. We don't want to add to their technical debt. And then I think the biggest thing is if, if you don't know anything about nonprofits and how they function, uh, make sure that you're doing your research ahead of time. Like I said, strapped for time, strapped for money. Or consider how you're getting that experience, whether you do your own personal project first and then jump into the nonprofit project, 
Just make sure that you know what you're doing, that you understand. I mean, that's good for any business, right? But especially for nonprofits, that you understand how they function because you want to make sure that you're adding value, right? Not that you're just getting experience. You want to make sure that you're pushing the org and their mission forward. This might just be a volunteer project for you, but for them, it's their livelihoods. It's like the livelihoods of the people that they serve. Like Salesforce is there to help them and you're there to help them. So make sure that you're doing what it takes to do that. I'm curious, how long did it take you to find your volunteer project? Because for me, I got super lucky, but I know a lot of people actually struggle to find a project that they can work on for free. That's a really good question. Yeah, I think uh, my my volunteer project actually found me. <laughs> and it was because of my, vol- my nonprofit experience. There had been a, a bunch of talent stackers uh, working with this amazing organization. And they're like, hey, you have experience doing this. Do you want to jump on um, with us? And the thing I loved about one, the organization is their mission and what they were doing, but also that it wasn't just going to be me, right? That it was a bunch of team members together. And so if I didn't know something, I could rely on another one of my teammates in order to push the project forward, right? And I think that that's really important, especially um, when you're new into the ecosystem, trying to get experience that you really find that team because many hands make light work, right? Everyone's busy. And it also brings more experience to the project and allows you to do a better job. Again, adding that value to the people that you're serving. Yeah, that's a really good point. I feel like a lot of what we're talking about right now is how when we volunteer for these nonprofits, how things can go sideways for the nonprofit, how we can have all of the best intentions as aspiring Salesforce professionals. And we want to go out there and we want to help nonprofits with their Salesforce orgs. And we want to polish our skills and build our resume and do all of these awesome things. But it doesn't always work out that smooth. And I would say very rarely does it work out quite that smooth. There can be a number of issues. And the last thing you want to do is actually make it harder on the nonprofits by creating situations where they have more technical debt or you know, issues where now they've spent time and energy and money and resources on building the Salesforce org, but they're actually in a worse position. Now, I also want to look at it from the other side because yes, we can worry about the actual nonprofit, but we also need to worry about ourselves as the Salesforce talent because there are also some pitfalls you can hit in that direction. And what those typically are is not setting boundaries or setting expectations for how much work you're going to put in or how long you're available for the nonprofit. And we've seen individuals you know, go into projects and still be working those projects two or three months later because they don't quite know how to say, hey, I'm going to stop or I need to wrap this up. And they're not sure how to have that conversation and wrap it up. So I would love to hear from you guys. How do you set expectations and help wrap those projects up so they don't just go on forever. Yeah, I think that's a, a great thing to consider, Brad. I think that one of the ways I do it personally, I'm a big person who manages expectations. So I write everything down. I need to seed my spreadsheets, man. They are like very clear. There is no question. This is what you guys have said that you needed. This is what I'm going to do. And this is the time that you should expect it to be done in. So really managing those expectations I know for my experience, for my volunteer project and the group that I work with, we are brought in to do very specific increments of things. So implementing specific pieces of Salesforce and then getting it through training everyone and then someone can like come off of the team or come back on. That, that comes back to managing expectations, right? Very clear delineation of what you are expected to do. And 
that's on both sides, right? That for, for your side, but also for the nonprofit side, because you don't want to create something that they weren't expecting. And now they have to live with it moving forward. So managing expectations, that's probably my number one thing. What, what do you think, Anita? Yeah, that's definitely what I was going to say to you. Managing expectations and also CYA, cover your ass. Sorry if I'm not allowed to say ass. And sorry I said it again on the podcast. My bad. <laughs> um, and the best way to cover your ass is to always get it in writing. So I always will have everything in emails, you know, exactly what Alex said about like, okay, this is how much time I have to devote for this many weeks. I, it depends like on your situation, if you want to have it an ongoing volunteer job after you actually land your job, or if you only want to do a month, do it a month, but make sure you tell them up front. So there's like no surprises when you're, you know, it's a month and you're like, bye. No, you need to have it in writing. That way everyone is on the same page. Yeah, that's a great point. And so we've talked about a few different ways to, I think, handle getting some hands-on experience. And that's through actual volunteering with nonprofits and doing Salesforce projects. And if you're looking for a way to get in touch with these nonprofits, there are websites that you can find like Volunteer Match or Taproot or a couple of the main ones that I've seen. A lot of times it can come from actually being engaged. So if you've listened to the podcast up to this point, hopefully you're on LinkedIn and hopefully you are building your brand out there and people know that you're working on your Salesforce skills and building up to that point where you can help them. So you polish your skills and help them at the same time. So there's a lot of great ways to do that. And when you're doing the personal projects, that can be a great way to get your foot in the door. And I would probably advise, I think I would give the advice that before you volunteer to actually help a company enhance or implement Salesforce, even as a volunteer, do a personal project and make sure that you're comfortable building a business that does not actually exist or putting some processes in place that are not for an actual company. That way, at least you can trust yourself before you expect someone else to trust you. And there are a lot of great ways to mimic projects. And if you're looking for project ideas, I know there are a ton of threads on the Salesforce for Everyone Facebook group where you can chime in there with your ideas. And there's a lot of great ideas there. I know people have created running apps, how to budget and managing your finances and just grocery list and all kinds of things that you could use to sort of build that out and help yourself while you're building your Salesforce skills. And I just remembered something someone taught me a while ago. It might've been you, Bradley. <laughs> but another way to land a volunteer job or a volunteer project is actually being proactive and reaching out to a local nonprofit in your area and asking them if you could implement Salesforce for them because Salesforce Nonprofit Cloud is free for, I think, up to 10 users. So you can just reach out to someone and be like, hey, I can implement this to you for free. You know, you don't have to pay for me. You don't have to pay for the product, but it could be really beneficial for your organization. And that's just another way to get experience. I totally agree, Anita. That actually happened to me. A nonprofit I've been volunteering with, like outside of the Salesforce ecosystem for a long time, I told them I was getting into it. And they're like, oh, well, would you be interested in like helping us do our Salesforce instance? Because we, we were like looking into it and that would be great. And I was like, awesome. I'm already volunteering for you. So sure. So that was like a way to get kind of another another experience with a group that I've already been working with, not in Salesforce. And then I already know about their business. So I think that's a really great advice. Those are all really great points. And I think for everyone listening, this is probably the first time that we're at this point where it's not crystal clear exactly how to take this next step. 
And that's what this episode is all about, getting that hands-on experience. And in previous episodes, we've talked about getting started on Trailhead. And if you go on Trailhead, if you've done that, it's really step-by-step. It's like, do step number one, do step number two, and then you succeed and you get a new badge and all these points. And then when we talk about LinkedIn branding and building your professional brand, we learn how to add experience to LinkedIn and maybe put our profile picture up and tell them a little bit about yourself. And these are all things we're reasonably comfortable with. We understand these topics well enough to know how to move forward, how we want to present ourselves. But now we get into actually putting our skills to the test, to doing personal projects, or maybe we're working on groups on projects or doing volunteer projects for nonprofits. And it can start to feel like, ooh, this is that first real obstacle we're up against where we might, as an audience member, as a listener, you might be thinking, do I really have to do this? This is kind of hard. This feels like an obstacle. Can I just skip this? Can I maybe just do Trailhead and get certified and then do LinkedIn and maybe skip over this hands-on experience part and just start applying for jobs? So maybe Alex and Anita, do you guys mind talking a little bit about why this is so important or whether or not you feel like this is a necessary step in the process? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. It's that catch-22 situation where you need experience to get the job, but you can't get experience without the job. So that's where the volunteer project comes in and gives you the experience that you can talk on. But also with other like industries and jobs, you know, when you're taking the exam or learning something at school about the actual job and doing the actual job, those are two different things. So taking the Salesforce exam, it's great. It means you know your stuff, but actually working in an org is completely different. There are so many things that you will pick up on when you're actually hands-on in an org that you don't learn from Trailhead or just taking an exam. So Alex, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty critical, that hands-on experience piece for a couple of reasons. One, when you're in an interview and they're going to start asking you questions, I mean, not every interview gets super technical, but in case it does, you're going to want to have something to back those uh, that experience up, right? You're going to want to be like, oh yeah, I did this in, in my org and this is how I would have handled this and this and this, and maybe like there's challenges you came across and that's how you overcome them. So not only just in the job interview, but when you land that job, you want to make sure that you know what you're doing because that first week is going to be real rough if you don't. So at least have had a getting experience of uh, knowing how the org works, how all the pieces come together. I mean, Salesforce is huge, right? There's no way to know everything all at one time, but you're definitely going to want to know at least how to build the org and how to, to troubleshoot different things, where to find information, because that will make your life way, way easier. Yeah. And I just want to touch on the challenge part. That is a great way, especially if you're in a technical interview, you know, someone who like works in the org, they know what they're doing, their experience. When you talk about a challenge and they're like, they can reminisce, they're like, oh yeah, I remember when that happened to me before. It builds good rapport with your interviewer. So I'm starting to notice this recurring theme of how this volunteer experience or these these hands-on experience opportunities end up turning into really great interview conversation. And that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about in the next episode is all about interview preparedness. But we can't forget how important our hands-on experience is going to be for those interviews. And I think a lot of us focus on the hands-on experience as a way to get something on our resume or LinkedIn profile or a way to 
polish our skills and make sure that we're getting over our own imposter syndrome. And while those benefits still apply, we're definitely getting all of those benefits, but we're also getting this massive additional benefit, which is our ability to tell stories in interviews. And like I said, we're going to talk a lot about that in the next episode, but what you're going to find is a lot of people prepare for interviews by trying to Google the top 10 interview questions for the job I'm applying for. And then they just study interview questions and you end up sounding like a robot and you also end up relying on those questions to be asked or you're stuck and you don't really know where to go. So what hands-on experience allows you to do is tell stories as an answer to interview questions. So someone says, tell me about a weakness that you have, or tell me about a challenge that you faced. And you can tell a story about a project you worked on or a a project with the team you worked on or an obstacle you faced. And what I find is a lot of people think that a bad situation on a volunteer project or a bad situation working with a team is something they should never talk about. And they should sweep it under the rug and pretend that everything's perfect and all of these opportunities went perfect. But that's not what people want to hear in an interview. When you show up to an interview and they ask you a question and you just make it all sound like it's Instagram worthy and it's perfect and it's polished and it's pretty... They know that's not the way real projects go, and they don't want to hear about how every project you're on is perfect because that's not a reality. They want to hear about the struggles you overcome and how you handle challenging situations. So when you're faced with some of these issues, be prepared to talk about your hands-on experience in these interviews, talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and how you solve these problems and make everything come out okay. So in order to get hands-on experience, there's actually something really exciting that we just started implementing at Talent Stacker as part of our process to help people, yes, prepare for certifications, but also get that hands-on experience and real-world interaction with Salesforce. So Alex, I think you're probably better prepared to talk about this than I am. So yeah, do you mind telling people about our certification build-alongs? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm pretty stoked about it. I've been teaching the admin kind of study group live for a couple of sessions now. And one of the common themes I had noticed is people were getting the questions right, but then maybe not doing so well on the exam. And there's there's something missing, right? They just like the, the pieces weren't connecting together. They're like, oh, I understand why I have to do this and this, but in the scheme of everything, why do I have to do that? And I was like, well, did you build an org yet? Have you built an org yet? Or if they were like not doing so well on the test, have you been in an org yet and like done all the pieces? And like, well, no. I'm like, okay. And I think a lot of that is people don't know where to start, right? They're all new to the ecosystem as well. They're like, well, how do I build it from start to end? And so with that in mind, I was like, well, how can we take this to the next level, right? Take the study group to the next level and walk people through start to end. Because it isn't just the formal like building of the like the mechanics of it, right? You also have to gather requirements. You have to document those requirements. You have to then implement those requirements. And then to throw back to what I said earlier, you have to present those requirements, that finished product to the client, right? And so there's like all these pieces that are kind of touched on in the admin trail mix on the trailhead, but like dispartly, right? Like not all together. And so my hope for this kind of admin build along is that we can put all the pieces together in a way that makes sense for people. Um, and then as they go into their talent stacker volunteer project, they'll just be hitting the ground running. They'll know exactly where to start. And then as they go into their job interviews and then land their job, they're just well prepared for what is what is next, what the next step is. And we're just gonna be producing the most awesome Salesforce professionals out there. So I'm pretty excited about it. So if there's one thing I want everyone to come out of this podcast with, so 
if you listen to any episode, I want everyone to have actionable takeaways so that you don't finish and you just go, all right, that was a cool episode. I enjoyed that. I want you to go, all right, that was a cool episode. Now I know what to do next. So this entire conversation has been around getting hands-on experience. And if you decide that, yes, I'm ready to take on the challenge, I want to go talk to nonprofits about volunteering my skills to help them, then I want to make sure that you're prepared for those conversations. So a lot of people have this misconception that, well, it's a nonprofit and they're not paying me. So if I just go tell them I'm certified and I would like to offer my help, they're just going to accept me right away. And that's not how it works at all. They still need to qualify you, make sure that you're a good fit for their company and that they feel that you can actually help them move forward. They may have worked with volunteers in the past that didn't work out so well, and they may be aware of some of the things we talked about in today's episode about the potential red flags and pitfalls that can come up if someone jumps into their Salesforce org and doesn't do a great job. So there are a lot of things that can get in the way, and we need to make sure we're overcoming those. So my number one piece of advice would be treat this like it's a real paid role. Number one, it's going to make sure that you're putting the commitment forward and really showing your value. And number two, it's great practice for actually applying for jobs and trying to get in front of employers. So treat it like it's a paid job. Send your resume, send those follow-up emails when they interview you and make sure that they know how serious you are about this. The other thing with nonprofits is they are really passionate about their mission. So make sure you understand what the company does, what their goals are, what their mission is, and try to align yourself with that passion. So this can be a really good opportunity to put together a nice cover letter explaining who you are and why you're so interested, yes, to volunteer your Salesforce skills, but also to further that nonprofit's mission. A lot of times you can talk about maybe a personal experience where you feel compelled to help a company like them because you know how beneficial it is to people who have gone through maybe an experience like you've had. So those are really the tips that I would have for individuals who are going after these nonprofit volunteer opportunities. Alex, Anita, do you guys have any additional tips or ideas that you want to make sure our listeners get from this episode? Yeah, I think one really big tip is don't go at it alone, right? Like find some other uh, people maybe in the ecosystem, maybe at your same level or maybe even more experienced and do it as a team. Again, like many hands make light work and then you'll have just that much more experience going into it. You guys can all just do a really great job. Um, The other thing I would say, if you're going to be working with a nonprofit, there are slightly different Salesforce clouds, I guess, as you would call them for nonprofits. So Within the trailhead, you're going to be learning a lot of like sales cloud, which is the primary Salesforce instance. But in nonprofits, you're going to be using slightly different tools. So make sure you're aware of what those tools are before you go and work with the nonprofit and what they're going to be using. Those would be my my recommendations. Anita, what do you think? Yeah, those are great. Um, I think my final tip would be to document everything for two reasons. One, you want to be able to write this in your resume, exactly what you did. And then two, you want to be able to speak on it when you're interviewing. And speaking of interviewing, that will be the next episode. We actually have a very special guest coming on. He's an interview expert, Mr. Justin Ducks. And you really don't want to miss this one because you're so close to the finish line, so close to actually landing your job. The interview is the final piece. All right. So we have covered a lot in today's episode. So there should be 
plenty of actionable takeaways for everyone listening. And this is probably one of those episodes that you wanted to take some notes about, you know, exactly how to move forward. But I think especially what we just talked about with those truly actionable tips of these are the things you should be doing and you should be taking away from this episode. So we hope you are enjoying this content. If you are, make sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. This helps those platforms know that we do add value to our listeners and that you're enjoying this. If you don't mind, if you could also leave us a review, that would be amazing and preferably five stars if you can work that out for us. In next episode, we are going to be moving into talking all about interview preparedness and making sure you're not making the mistakes that so many people are when they're preparing for interviews. This is not about Googling the top 10 interview questions for the job you're applying for. This is about guiding interviews, showcasing your skills, and turning interviews into conversations so you can really get to know the company you're working for and they can really get to know you. So make sure to tune in. I think there's going to be incredibly valuable content as we bring on Justin Ducks, who is truly a world-class Salesforce interview expert. And we are going to make sure you're prepared for that phase of the Salesforce journey. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonza. If you like what we do at this scrappy can-do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.